Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Revolution 250 podcast. I'm Bob Allison. I chair the Revolution 250 advisory group. And our guest today is Nancy Lone. Nancy Lone is the author of a great book, Following the Drum, Women at the Valley Forge Encampment. And so we'll be talking a lot about women at Valley Forge and women in the Continental Army. With So Nancy, thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. So uh, after getting a doctorate in education at Miami Day, at the University of Miami and then teaching for a number of years as both in K through 12 and then at the uh, Miami-Dade Community College, you moved to Valley Forge, Pennsylvania and became a seasonal ranger and really then learned to tell the story of what happened at Valley Forge. Yes, that's right. We moved to Valley Forge. I knew very little about the revolution and little about Valley Forge, but I went to the headquarters of Valley Forge National Historical Park and said to the ranger on duty, did Martha Washington sleep here? I thought that was a cute little remark. And the ranger said, well, yeah, she did. And frankly, that just blew my mind because Mm -hmm. I had followed my husband around the country for 26 years. And I felt like Martha. Martha follows George, Nancy Mm -hmm. follows Tom, you know, a real affinity there. So I decided to find out more about Martha Washington at Valley Forge. And as I started my research, I realized there was so much more than just Martha at Valley Forge, many other women besides Martha at Valley Forge, but lots and lots of other women too. And I became entranced with the whole Valley Forge story. It's interesting. And the story you tell of Valley Forge is a bit different. Uh, Martha's experience, because as you said, she's going to the theater and she and the officers' wives and the officers are socializing and there are other things you might not expect from the winter at Valley Forge. Yes, the last chapter of my book, which of course is called Following the Drum, Women at the Valley Forge Encampment, is called Making the Myth of Martha. As you can tell, I was into alliteration when I write that particular title. And what I do is trace the story of how Martha Washington is believed to have visited the soldiers and tended to the soldiers and went to the soldiers' tents and cabins at camp. And what I discovered when I started to research this issue was that all the original uh, and contemporary stories and biographies and histories of Valley Forge, I mean, contemporary, I mean, uh, written about the time that the encampment happened and the Revolutionary War occurred, makes no mention whatsoever of Martha Washington visiting among the soldiers and doing kind deeds for them and baking bread for them and praying for them, which is what many people think now that she did. George Washington never talks about his wife visiting uh, soldiers. Martha never does that. It's never, never mentioned, nor does it mention that any of the other ladies that came to camp did that too. And it's not until um, much later, which is in 18... 1847, Hmm. that someone writes that Martha Washington is showing kindness to the sick and wounded. Many Hmm. years, it's like 75 years after Valley Forge. Mm -hmm. And then in 1848, now Martha is seeking out the afflicted at Valley Forge. Hmm. 
This is the first time that is mentioned. Wow. 1850, they talk about Martha being devoted to benefiting the soldiers at camps. And then she's spreading cheer in 1852 and 1886. And this is where people latch on. Vincent John Losing, uh, who's not considered a respected historian by some people, talks about a woman that he has interviewed has gone with Martha Washington into the huts and visited the soldiers and taken bread with, with mm. her and how she has knit for the soldiers. And this is what people grasp, that Martha Washington, ooh, went with someone else into the huts of the soldiers. But this is written in 1886, more than 100 mm. years after the Valley Region Camp. And to me, Bob, this is very discouraging that people grasp onto this as being yeah. what happened yeah. when nobody in the contemporary times talks about mm -hmm. Washington doing that. So what was Martha doing then in her? Yeah. Life? So what was she doing? <laughs> I'm so glad you asked, because this is where it got me really excited about Valley Forge. What we know is that she took us about 10 days to come to Valley Forge. Mm -hmm. We know that Washington sent someone to escort her into camp. We know that he was very happy to see her. And we know that she came for one reason only, and that's to take care of General Washington. Lafayette mm -hmm. said, Mrs. Washington is mad about the general. Hmm. And General Green says, Mrs. Washington is excessively fond of the general and he of her. They really, I think, had a wonderful relationship. Yes. So when she's there, she is there to take care of General Washington and make things as easy as mm -hmm. possible for him. Mm -hmm. But what she also does, and this is the part I like a lot, is that Charles Wilson Peale paints portraits of Washington and gives them to her for $56, his usual price. And who thinks about Valley Forge and Charles Wilson Peale painting portraits of the officers at Valley Forge? Mm. That does not fit with the Valley Forge story mm. that most people know. Mm -hmm. And yet when you go back to his diary, he writes about painting portraits of about 50 of our officers wow. and their ladies at wow. camp. Mm -hmm. Here's something else I love that we find out when you go back to the original sources, which all is the only thing I'm looking at. I'm right. only looking at the letters and journals and diaries. Mm -hmm. That's all I'm looking at. We find that um, Martha Washington attended a production of Cato, which is one of General <laughs> Washington's favorite plays, yes. at camp, along with another, with part of a numerous and splendid audience. Mm -hmm. Now that is what really got me. Theater at Valley Forge, yeah. numerous and splendid audience. I thought yeah. these men were destitute, gathered yeah. around their little fires with nothing to eat. Mm -hmm. uh, and certainly the men may have been, but the officers were doing other things. And this yeah. is what they're doing. They're attending theater productions. Interesting. So these are some of the, she attended worship services. We know mm -hmm. that. We know that she receives in the center of a tent um, off of the celebration of the food as well. Those are the only things really we know for sure that she does at Valley mm -hmm. Forge. But what yeah. I would like to suggest that we know for sure is that she did not visit the soldiers. 
you did not visit the sick and the, the sick the soul, and the soldiers. Eighteenth century lady, right from Virginia. Yeah, those of the lower sort. Mm -hmm. Lucy Knox, mm -hmm. and also an eighteenth-century letter, actually crosses to the other side of the street sometimes when she mm -hmm. encounters people of the lower sort. Very class-conscious society, and I just would like to suggest Martha is not spending her time visiting. Mm -hmm. the That's very. It's a, it's a very interesting observation then on there uh, what we're learning about this army at Valley Forge, and then. Um, there were, though, in addition to the ladies, you know, Martha, Lucy, Catherine Green. Right. An estimated 400 or so women That's right. were mainly anonymous. That's correct. Yes. And who were these women? We really yeah. don't know. But what we think is that they're with the army because the army is offering them their very best chance for survival. Mm -hmm. These are extremely difficult times. Two armies, the British Army, the American Army, are both roaming the lands mm -hmm. in the northeastern part of the country. Mm -hmm. Neither army is without blemish. Both armies go in to homes, mm -hmm. steal things, break mm -hmm. the women. Mm -hmm. they're, both, they're both bad. They're both yeah. very bad. And so if you're a woman at home alone, it may be your very best, best chance for survival and get a chance to food, get some food and work for the army to be with the army itself, to go with yeah. your husband. And so we think most of those the women who were there were because this is their chance for survival. We know that there's one record of December 1777. It lists, uh, enumerates uh, how many people were there, how old, different kinds of soldiers were there, different regiments. And on the side, it says 400 women, W-O-M-A-N. Now that's where we get the estimate of 400, right. assuming assuming one ration per woman, which we're not mm. really sure how many rations, how much they got. And that's where we get the number 400. And these are the women that came with Washington on the 19th of December of 1777. It's fascinating. And then you also have found in some of the records, for example, the women who were tending to the sick at the hospital, and then with another regiment, you have a correlation between the last, when we have the last names, they're often they're the same last names. That's like right. That's right. Isn't that exciting? We don't That's find right. that at all at Valley mm -hmm. Forge, how I certainly uh, wish that we did. But we do find with one of the regiments in the second, I can't remember the right one. But the when I looked, was, yeah. Sorry? Yeah. Clinton's Brigade. Yeah. Clinton's Brigade. There we go. When I looked at the names of the women and then went back and looked at the list of men they were there, they were they were definitely correlated. I mean, these oh, were yeah. not, in quotes, stray women. These mm -hmm. were women that were there and related to the soldiers yes. that were yeah. there. Yeah. And then you have a Mrs. Milliner who comes along with her son, Alexander, who is a drummer, right. and then Mary Geyer, who's... Uh, her husband is enlisted, as well as their 11-year-old son is enlisted. And the son yes. is apparently a drummer. And so she is there, not yes. only with her husband, but with their son. And then, yes. Uh, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we do have a, a few of the names of the women. Most of them we do not. Yeah. I would like to suggest a um, that 
Molly Pitcher, the famous Molly Pitcher, who's actually Mary Hayes, mm -hmm. was at Valley Forge also um, because her husband, I think, was there and she went uh, to Monmouth afterwards. And uh, so I believe that she was at Valley Forge. But we all know that Molly Pitcher is not just one person. Right. Molly Pitcher is a very generic word for any of the camp women, because when the battle was fought, the women carried the women, the water around for the men and for, to cool down the cannons. Right. right. Yeah, we're, we're talking with Nancy Lohan, author of Following the Drum, Women at the Valley Forge Encampment, which has a lot about women throughout the, um, the Revolutionary War. And the British Army allows a certain number of women followers and Washington had a troubled relationship with them. When he's over there, there seems like there's a series of orders. The women aren't supposed to ride in the wagons. That's right. That's right. Women are not supposed to be riding the wagons. The women are not to be shown with the army as it marches through Philadelphia, mm -hmm. for example. He wanted really nothing to do with, with the women. Mm -hmm. But what he realized that he needed the women because mm -hmm. the soldiers were not going to stay at the army if their women were not taken care of. Right. At one point, he finally decided towards the end of, of the uh, Revolutionary War that he had to allow a certain number of rations for the mm -hmm. soldiers. And so initially he said, uh, for the women, I mean, initially he said for every 18 soldiers, there would one ration, 15 soldiers, there'd be one ration allowed for a woman. Well, this was nonsense because sometimes that, that had nothing to do with how many women were there. And eventually he, he just um, changed the whole thing and made it better. But it took him a long, mm -hmm. long time to appreciate the women. He needed them, but he did not want them. Right. And the women perform vital roles as laundresses, cooks, nurses, seamstresses, and uh, there's constant comment on the men being dirty, their uniforms dirty, but they want them clean. And so this yes, is so what are you going to uh, do? <laughs> that's right. The, the men were not going to do this themselves. Then Washington, plus he didn't want them to do that themselves. He wanted them to be to be training. For example, at Valley Forge, that was one of the big things that happened at Valley Forge. To have been training the soldiers, he wanted them to be part of the army. He could not allow them. The, the time to do all these other things. So he needed the women. Yeah. So I, yeah. but again, Washington is an 18th century uh, gentleman has yes. really nah, the lower sort. Yeah. yeah. Doesn't mean too much. It's a, that, that is, I mean, that along with the myth then of Martha, it's really such an interesting thing because you have these contemporary descriptions of the women by, the men who are not of the lower sort, even some who are like Alexander Plum Martin about the depravity, the variety of languages they're speaking and so on. Right. But then you also have a character like Molly Pitcher who becomes this mythic her heroine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, or Captain Molly, whose statue is at West Point, the, you know, the Captain Molly that you have this um, ability or is that something that happens after the fact? The, mythification of Molly Pitcher or Captain Molly, or is this something being recognized at the time? No, it was not recognized at the time, but it was recognized after, and sometimes it's because of a very enthusiastic relative, a very mm -hmm. enthusiastic relative who said, right. I have somebody, in, and that's what, what happened uh, with uh, Molly Pitcher, for example. 
Yeah. yeah very enthusiastic relative who got that got that that got to that whole thing go. So yeah. yeah. That's I think what happens with a lot of this. Uh, history is remembered by someone who becomes very enthusiastic about yes. the story, and often it is because this was my grandmother or this was my gra grandfather who did this. Yes, yes, I think that can be very true. Right. Yes. And of course, and also, um, I have to say too that we're talking about I think three different levels of classes uh -huh. and way of women at Valley Forge. We're talking about hundreds of camp women that come uh -huh. in with Washington's army, and don't forget that one of the officers, and this is amazing, writes that on the nineteenth of December when the army marched into Valley Forge, on this day a woman was killed. The wagon overturned, and she was killed. Now, this is amazing because this is only a camp woman, a camp yeah. follower. Why would an officer write about that? So there mm -hmm. must have been some connection there. Perhaps she with her, her I have no idea mm -hmm. what was mm -hmm. going on there. We don't know her name, but we do know that she was very likely, a woman was very likely, one of the first people who dies at Valley Forge. And she's dying before the army even marches in. On hmm. this day, a woman was killed. So we have hundreds, at least 400 women that are with the army. They're nursing, they're cooking, they're sewing. Um, we also have women that come with General Washington. He travels with an entourage of women. He travels with his own washerwoman because he obviously needs his clothes washed. Martha's not going to do that. Right. He needs his uh, clothes washed, so he travels with his own washerwoman. He also travels with his own cooks, hmm. Isaac Till and Hannah Till. They mm -hmm. are a couple, they're not married because slaves cannot be married, they are attached, mm -hmm. but they are at Valley Forge. Hannah uh, also works for General Lafayette during the Revolutionary hmm. War too. And there's a question as to whether or not she was enslaved or not enslaved during the Valley Forge encampment. There's a big question about that. Hmm. I personally think she was, but there's some other issues going on. So we have Hannah, who's traveling as a cook. We have Washer traveling with his own washerwoman, who hmm. happened to be attached to William Lee, who's Washington's slave, who comes right. At Valley Forge. And then we have Mrs. Elizabeth Thompson, and she is described as a worthy Irish woman. She's 74 years old when she comes to Valley Forge. Wow. She's with the Army for five years. She signs mm -hmm. on at the age of 72. She resigns at 77 because age has made it necessary for do so, as she says. And wow. at Valley Forge, uh, she is in charge of the housekeeping to make sure that things go right. And it's an interesting story about her because later on, after she resigns, which, as I said, she resigned at the age of 77, she or someone writes to Washington saying that she is destitute and has no money and is in poor health. And Washington responds by sending her some money. Hmm. And a few years later, she writes to Congress. Congress responds the, the very next day, which is amazing, right, for Congress, yes. by giving her 100 pounds a year. Wow. And, and then Washington, I love this part, then Washington 
writes to her and invites her to spend her final days at Mount Vernon. This is his former housekeeper wow. who he has not seen for many years. But mm. I think this shows a great deal about the quality of General George Washington and inviting her to spend her final yeah. years at Mount Vernon with the family. So this is the people that travel with Washington and his entourage as he moves from place to place. And then we have the ladies that come to camp, such right. as Martha Washington. Right. So can we talk a little bit more then about Catherine Green, Lucy Knox, and the sure. other ladies of the camp? Sure. We're talking with Nancy Lone, who is the author of Following the Drum, Women at the Valley Forge Encampment. Right. It does, as you say, have different levels. There are the women, the camp followers, the women, and then we also have the ladies. The, um, That's right. So I mentioned Martha Washington. She comes in February the 5th to Valley Forge. Lucy Knox comes to Valley Forge the end of May. She hmm. is the wife of General Henry Knox. Yes. Um, she, <laughs> I love Lucy Knox. She's a woman who's very independent, a very mm -hmm. bright person, a very chatty person. And somebody writes, she and everyone else thinks there cannot be any social occasion unless she is present. So she kind of <laughs> considers herself. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> she comes with her two-year-old daughter. Mm. who's also named Lucy, to Valley Forge. And this is the youngest person I know for sure, for sure at Valley mm -hmm. Forge. But you have to know that there were children that were born at Valley Forge. Oh, yeah. Forge, and that yeah. other young children were there. They live in the hut that is in a hut that is near the artillery park at Valley mm -hmm. Forge. And um, after Valley Forge is over, they, the Knox family goes to Philadelphia because this is where w Lucy wants to live. Philadelphia was a very prestigious place. Unfortunately, oh, yes. the British have been there. And Henry Knox said the place smelled so bad they could not stay there. So mm. Lucy did not want to go there. So Lucy Knox was at Valley Forge. She was brought to Valley Forge by Benedict Arnold, by the way, who mm. also supplied the horses for her. Uh, to travel mm -hmm. to Valley wow. Forge. Supplying the horses is a big deal. And at is. Valley Forge, just as an aside, Benedict Arnold uh, signs his oath of allegiance. Right. Right at Valley Forge, but we all know what that eventually means. Well, it didn't last, yeah. yeah. How big <laughs> yeah. were the huts? How big were the huts, Nancy, that these uh, How the, big were the, huts? the yeah. families are living in, or that are the soldiers also living in huts? Can you tell us? They are, yeah. Yeah, they're 14 by 16. They have pitched uh, slanted roofs, 12 soldiers in each hut. We have no idea, by the way, where the women slept in the sleeping arrangements for that. Mm -hmm. Officers had their own hut. Mm -hmm. There were also hospital huts that were there. There was a general hospital built that was outside of, of Valley Forge, yes. the first military hospital. That's yes, a, the Yellow, Yellow Springs. Springs. Yes. yes. Mm -hmm. You have that extraordinary story about the reason they're building a hospital. They're sending the sick, they send a, the sick to Ephrata, Pennsylvania. And can you tell yes. us about what happens? Yes. Um, um, it's, it's pronounced Ephrata. Thank it's you. not too far from Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Uh, the wagon master was told to bring the sick to Ephrata, and he did. And that's what he was told, bring the six. So we dumped them off there and he went away and there the sick were. And they had no recourse but to go into the homes and he asked for help. 
Wow. And unfortunately, they were often carrying disease or needed mm-hmm. a lot of attention. And so it was up for the, the town to take care of them. And that uh, was the way it happened. What were yeah. they going to do with a sick? Many, many places um, had to be converted into hospitals. Oh, yeah. And then during the winter, Washington has the army inoculated for smallpox. Yes. This is a very forward-thinking thing. I'm very proud of General Washington for doing this. Smallpox was a very feared disease. Washington himself feared that a woman, he always knew it was going to be a woman, a woman was going to bring smallpox into his army and totally wipe out his army. So what he did was because there was a time of uh, rest after you got inoculated shot. You had to have a special menu, at least they mm-hmm. felt they did. During uh, the Valley Forge encampment, he had over 3,000 people inoculated against smallpox. Wow. Initially, he wanted them all inoculated before they even came to Valley mm-hmm. Forge, all the soldiers. But mm-hmm. that turned out to be unworkable because it took a long time for them to recover and he needed the soldiers at camp and he was trying to train them. Mm -hmm. And so then he decided to just have them come to Valley Forge and have them inoculated there. Mm -hmm. Of the 3000, one of the surgeons said only 20 of them died. Hmm. This is a tremendous percentage, right? That is, yeah. So if you're inoculated against smallpox, you get the smallpox, but you get it lightly. Right. And um, only 20 of the 3,000 died. That's remarkable. I'm uh, For my second book, I'm re- I have a wonderful, wonderful letter written by one of the, I think he's a captain, to a woman, a widow. Now she's mm-hmm. a widow back in, in Connecticut and expresses his condolences. Uh, the soldier has died. He had a decent burial. Uh, and at the very end, he said, the soldier, I forget his name at this moment, died of smallpox. Hmm. It's a very unusual letter. You don't see men or letters of condolence like that. But that's how the women, widow, by the way, found out that her husband had died. She wow. gets a letter from right. well, weeks later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we're, we're talking with Nancy Lohan, author of Following the Drum, the Women of the Valley Forge Encampment. And um, Nancy's also a founding member of the American Revolution Roundtable of Philadelphia and an honorary lifetime member of the Society of the Descendants of Washington's Army at Valley Forge, which is a great achievement because you spent so many years telling the story and you have some great questions people would ask you about Valley Forge. What are some of the favorite things that you found out about Valley Forge during <laughs> your long time? Oh, my gosh. One question that everybody is, is, is this where Washington crossed the river? Because people know about the Delaware River. Yes. But but the Mm. Delaware River is not located by Valley Forge. We have the Schuylkill River that runs through it. So Washington, of course, crossed a river, which was the Schuylkill River, a lot, but it's not the river. The the, um, crossing of the Delaware is the year before the Valley Forge encampment. Yeah. Why did they choose Valley Forge for this winter encampment? 
It was a very difficult decision. Washington spent an enormous amount of time and attention trying to decide where the army was going to go after the Philadelphia campaign. Mm-hmm. He consulted with his um, officers many times. For a while, it was going to be in the Reading-Lancaster area, and mm-hmm. they were just going to be going into homes. Mm-hmm. Uh, for a while, it was going to be in Delaware, but that was too close to the British. The British mm-hmm. were Philadelphia. Uh, finally, someone suggested the Great Valley, and Valley Forge is in the Great Valley. Mm. The problem with that is they would have to build their own huts. And this is the first time, Valley Forge is the first time this was done. Mm. Other armies had never built their own right. hutting. They've mm. always gone into homes. Mm. They have not built their own huts. Mm. So this was an extraordinary decision and mm. an extraordinary achievement. Mm-hmm. Just think that not only the army marches in on December the 19th, but they march into a place where they realize has absolutely nothing to provide for them. Right. Except, of course, it did have some roads. It did mm-hmm. have water. It was high so they could easily see the British coming 19 miles away from Philadelphia. Right. Yeah. But there was no place to live and they had to build their own huts. So and where did so they get, the, where did they get the lumber and the other supplies to build uh-huh. Yes, lots of wood all the way around, and for miles around, this is what they would do. Oh, you have a tree. How nice. Chop, chop, chop. Off it goes. Take it along. Was, was there a forge some, at some point in the valley? Yes. Yes, there definitely was a valley forge. Unfortunately, uh, the British uh, burned it down uh, in September of 1777. Mm-hmm. But yes, there definitely was a valley forge called the Forge in the Valley. Mm-hmm. The Valley Forge or the Mount Joy Forge, although it was actually located on Mount Misery. Hmm. Interesting. So this, uh, you, you know, notwithstanding that people think this is where he crossed the Delaware, it is a national historical park, and it does have a tremendous impact on the way we think of the revolution and on the arm. The army that emerges is different from the one that had gone into the camp. That's correct. Why do you suppose this is? Why do you suppose it has such a great impact on the way we think of or on the outcome of the revolution, not just the way we think of it, but the war itself. Valley Forge is the most crucial of the eight winter encampments. Mm -hmm. And that's because of Steuben. Steuben Mm -hmm. trains the army at Valley Forge. He, the, the birthplace of the American army is Valley Forge. Mm -hmm. He comes over. He of course is, unknown to Washington, then he's introduced to him. He has credentials that are seemingly impeccable, but really not when you really look at them. But what he could do was relate to the soldiers in a way no one had looked at them before. Mm-hmm. Think of it. We're already three years into the war and this army has not really been trained. Right. Now, suddenly Steuben comes. He says, this is what happens when the bugle, when the fife sounds this is way, everybody moves to the right. Mm-hmm. And the fife sounds this way, this way the left. The drum gets this, we all move this way. And suddenly the men are learning how to work together as an army. The, not only are the men astounded as what they can do, but Washington is astounded as mm. what they can do. He totally transforms what happened. I think this is a crucial part of what happens at Valley Forge. And this was a very, very difficult winter, not because of the weather, not because of terrible ice and snow, but because they had a lot of mud. And so it was very difficult to get the wagons through. Mm-hmm. And supplies were terrible, no doubt about it. This mm-hmm. was a very, very difficult winter, but not because of the ice and snow. 
Mm. Yet the army stayed together and the army that left Valley Forge was a different army that moved into Valley Forge. Very interesting. And but in Charles Wilson Peel is there doing these portraits of the officers and yes. which is another astonishing thing to think about. <laughs> Thank he, you. He's recording them. And so the, the faces we see in Peel's museum are the faces he would have painted at Valley Forge. Yes, I don't know how many of those survive. I have not really delved into yeah. that too much. I cannot think that these are huge portraits. I think no. they are small things. Yeah. Yes. But he charges $56 for them, so it had to be something. Yeah. I mean, having a Charles Wilson Peel painting for $56 today, it's, it would seem like a bargain today. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> it certainly would. <laughs> Uh, we've been talking with Nancy Lone, who is author of Following the Drum, and now you're working on a book about the encampment itself. I am. Actually, before we close, I'd like to talk a little bit about Sarah Osborne Benjamin, who's another yes. great story. And um, she she wasn't at Valley Forge, though, was she, or was she? Um, no, 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 not no. she was not. No, yeah. but she was down at Yorktown. Yes. Yeah. And so she tells a totally different picture, well, a firsthand picture you know, of, of, of what's happening down at Yorktown and what yeah. she's doing. And she talks about the, the, red, the black ribbons on the British soldiers and how unhappy they were and all those things. And then she talks about moving on and mm -hmm. living in a, a log uh, hut with her husband up in New York and how he leaves her deserts mm. her and then he marries someone else and then she marries yeah. someone else. So it's a whole yeah. quite a story. <laughs> it is, yeah. They never really divorced, but they just he he That's uh, correct. his, his <laughs> yeah. second wife, she said, died with uh you know alcohol coming out of her mouth. I mean she's yeah. uh, certainly not certainly wouldn't feel kindly about the second wife, but she's certainly not sugarcoating the things. No, no, right. But then she may have encountered Washington at Valley Forge when she's carrying you know, coffee, beef, bread to the soldiers, and at Yorktown, not at Valley. I'm sorry, at Yorktown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she may have done that. And he says, uh, "What are you doing?" And she said, "It is not right for the soldiers something like to be shot and to be hungry too." You know, yeah, yeah. Was supposed, yeah, something like that is what the yeah. the encounter is. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> And then you also, Washington also visited Valley Forge again at, in his last months in yes, he did. the presidency. Yes, he did. And so he was apparently very concerned about the land and wanted to make sure that the farmers were getting back to their uh, their jobs and that the soil was all right and they were able to be, make it productive land again. Because he's a mm -hmm. farmer. Washington's yeah. a farmer. Yeah. He loves farmlands. Yes, yeah. he does. So, yes. so what happens to Valley Forge after the army leaves then in the spring of 1778. What happens is that the, all the farmers who live on the land where the soldiers are rejoice. They say, hallelujah, the army is gone. Yeah. And they very quickly tear down those log huts and build their fences up again and get the soil going as quickly as they can. And it's said that, well, in about two years later, things were pretty, pretty much back hmm. to normal. But you can imagine, no matter how supportive you are of the cause, if the army is in your backyard on your property and your and that's your livelihood, right? Yeah, it's it's very very difficult. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And for miles around, mm. 
People yeah. would, the soldiers would knock on the door and say, we need your horse. We need your cow. We need your grain. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Very tough to be here. Did any apply for damages for? Oh, yes. Many, many did. Were they awarded? Who knows? But mm. many, many people applied, both mm. for what happened when the British Army was there, because the British Army was a valley forge before we were, mm -hmm. and um, the American Army. I don't know what they ordered, but you certainly can find records. Yeah, it's amazing. Well, thank you so much, Nancy, for thank sharing you. with and makes me want to visit Valley Forge and see. Good. <laughs> if you do come, let me know and I'll give you a special tour. I certainly will. Thank you. And so I want to thank Nancy Lone, who is the author of Following the Drum, Women of the Valley Forge Encampment. Thank you for writing this terrific book and for uh, sharing with us. And I want to thank Jonathan Lane, our producer, and our uh, many friends. You know, Nancy, we have folks all around, actually all around the world who listen in, and so we're happy to be able to share these stories with them. And every week I thank some of our listeners. And if you're in one of these places, send Jonathan Lane an email, jlane at revolution250.org, and he'll send you one of our Revolution 250 lapel pins or refrigerator magnets as we think about ways to commemorate what happened during the revolutionary era. And so now this week, if you're in, I want to thank our friends in Parkton, Maryland, Acton, Massachusetts, and also in Massachusetts, Lexington, New Bedford, and Quincy, Escanaba, Michigan, Hamilton, New Jersey, Long Beach, California, and all places between and beyond. Thanks for joining us. And now we will be piped out on the road to Boston.